Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his Grand Circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. On today's podcast, I wanted to present some news, primarily from the Walt Disney World Resort, but I may throw in some other things and sprinkle them in along the way. Just wanted to kind of give you an update on some of the things that I've heard about that are going on. Some are fun, some are a little quirky. So let's get started. The first thing I wanted to talk about was The Rock doing a special movie about the Jungle Cruise. Now, this is kind of an interesting idea, and I'm not really sure what to take away from it exactly. I I think it's an interesting idea, and I think The Rock is probably a good person to have play the Jungle Cruise skipper and doing some kind of live-action adventure thing that they might do. I hope they don't screw it up like they've done some of the other films. They did a pretty good job with the Pirates of the Caribbean. The Haunted Mansion was a little more mixed in the original movie they made. But there was an interesting little twist that came along with this, too. When The Rock talked about it, he actually posted something to uh, Instagram. What he said was, Grateful SOB to have Walt and Mickey watching over my shoulder as Danny Garcia and I embark on an amazing project. For our big Jungle Cruise creative meeting at Disney's highly secure R&D facility, me and Danny Garcia were escorted into the vault, a legitimate vault where all of Disney's biggest secrets and plans are kept. Curtains were pulled back for us to reveal the actual drawn-up plans that Walt Disney had his brother, Roy Disney, take to New York to present to the bankers in the 1950 for potential loan to build what's now known as Disneyland. Can't imagine what the meeting with bankers was like. Roy, all right, gentlemen, so me and my brother Walt want to build the greatest multiple theme park attraction in the world. Banker, oh, that seems fun, Mr. Disney. Roy, smiles in a playful, mischievous manner. Oh, yes, my good man, it will have a few things that are, in fact, fun. Well, clearly, I don't know how the hell men were actually talking in the 50s, but what I do know is being able to star in and produce Jungle Cruise is a dream come true. But what takes this to the next level is that we partner with the Disney's brilliant Imagineers to help recreate, re-engineer and redesign the Jungle Cruise ride in all the Disney theme parks around the world. A very special opportunity for us and our Seven Bucks production to create an unforgettable and fun experience for families around the world. And as Walt Disney himself would say, it's magical. Next step is defining our visionary director. Exciting times. Very strange that he would specifically say that he was changing the Jungle Cruise attraction in some way based on the movie. So interesting, and I'm not sure what to take away from it, but I kind of look forward to hearing more about this over time. It could be just hyperbole. I mean, clearly he was talking about going into the vault and he was not in the vault, but intriguing that he's talking about potentially changing the ride. But we'll see what actually happens. Next up is the Hall of Presidents. Now, As we all know, there's a new person who's sitting in the Oval Office, and we had the election back in uh, November. And so far, Disney hasn't announced an opening date for the Hall of Presidents updated attraction, including the new guy. Now, here's where it gets a little bit more interesting. When you look back to around September or October, Disney announced that they were going to change the Hall of Presidents. They were going to close it for a period of time and reopen it. 
Now, Disney is working with three things here. The first thing is that they try to make attractions meaningful to the current generation. So they, try, they tend to shorten attractions where they feel like they're too long. So, for example, the Country Bear Jamboree was taken down to approximately 12 minutes. The Tiki Room was taken down to approximately 10 minutes. And now, as we look at the Hall of Presidents, you realize the Hall of Presidents attraction is 23 minutes long, which is quite long by today's standards. So Disney had an interest in reducing the length of that show into something more meaningful. The second part is, throughout its history, the Hall of Presidents has had very specific things that they've done. So they opened the original show when the par- just after Park opened in 1971, and it ran all the way until Bill Clinton became the president in 1992. So for years, it was the same show, with just the addition of each new president being an animatronic figure. Then the Bill Clinton show had a new script, new narration. Bill Clinton talked. He was the first president to speak and so forth. And when he left office after eight years, they put W. Bush in there. And they actually made the show more or less the same. They changed the narrator. They edited the script slightly, but left the show primarily the same and uh, had Bush talk. So now you had, you know, another 16 year span where the, the show was essentially the same show. Then came Barack Obama after that with his eight-year run. It was similar theming, the, you know, sort of the the nature of the way they talked about things was similar to the way they had done it for the last 16 years without a big script rewrite and kept the presidents being introduced in the same way. So the storyline flowed the same way and it was about the same length. And then Barack Obama spoke at the end of it. So that's the way they worked out the Hall of Presidents. So it didn't really change a whole lot in that last, you know, 20 or so years, but it did change along the way a couple of times. And now here we are at the next precipice where it's time to change it again. So there's uh, an interest in making the the addition there. So as far as the uh, changes go, that's really the second thing in there. Now, the third thing is deciding to have the president speak. Now, back in September or October, when they were talking about making changes, I got it from an inside source that there was a high likelihood that whoever won the presidency, whoever won, you know, from the from the pool of candidates at the time, they were not going to have that president speak in the next version of the show. That was kind of passe. They were going to change it and actually make it so that it was another version of the president's story talking about presidents in history and not having the current president speak. Remember that this only started in in 1992 when Bill Clinton took office. So when you think about it, the changes that happened over time, there was uh, some some differences and some things that were there. So now there's an interest in kind of changing the flow of the show to make it so that you don't talk about a single president or have the current president speaking, it makes the show a little more dynamic and they can make additional edits to it as things change or, you know, the political view changes or the landscape changes, or they actually just want to change the show. Maybe they want to shrink the time a little bit more. Maybe instead of 23 minutes, maybe now it'll be 16, maybe five years from now they want to make it 10. So they could actually make changes to the show. And it makes it simpler if they don't have the president speaking in that sense, because then it's easier to edit the show. And then you're not setting the expectation that every time the president's going to be speaking. It's an impossible expectation to achieve every single time. Yeah, they were lucky. They got got, uh, Clinton, who was a fan of uh, Disney World, to speak at the Hall of Presidents. They were able to get W, who was kind of a fan as well. And then they got uh, Barack Obama, who was totally excited to uh, speak at the Hall of Presidents. And then also, adding to that, Disney is very sensitive to what guests feel and think and what they say. Social media has been very active about wanting to make sure that, you know, Donald Trump speaks. And whether he does or he doesn't, I think is kind of irrelevant, but Disney is trying to pull it back just a little bit and go, look, we'll show you the show. The show is going to be different. But they want to make sure that they get it out there at the right time and the right frame of mind so that people just don't overreact and say, well, why would you have him speak or why would you have him not speak? 
But Disney, once again, is masterful in manipulating the social experience and getting people to talk about the Hall of Presidents. So when it does reopen, it'll get noticed. The thing about it was, in, in previous years, in previous incarnations, the only thing people really noticed was that a new president was added. The show stayed the same. There weren't a lot of changes to it. And it kind of went unnoticed. Now, eight years ago, when Barack Obama took office, we were starting to get into the social media aspect of, of the world. It was just starting to come around and become something, come to the forefront. So that was the first time you had something where you had a little dynamic feature where you could actually say, hey, the new guy's out there and he speaks. This is later. And now, you know, if, if they want to make a change to it, you've got to build the hype, right? And you hear, this, you hear them doing this about all of their attractions. It's, it's not just about the Hall of Presidents. You think about the uh, Tower of Terror in Disneyland that became the Guardians of the Galaxy. You think about uh, some of the other changes they've made to attractions where they've generated a buzz based on the attraction coming up. The whole Pandora experience, the way they did it, they, they masterfully handled it so that it got all the media buzz it could possibly get and all the social media buzz it could pop- possibly get. It's an amazing thing. So Disney really controlled the message in that case and really got it going. Now, speaking of changes to attractions, there is a change that's expected to happen at Ellen's Energy Adventure over in Epcot. Now, if you know anything about that, the history of that attraction, and I will delve into this in a future podcast, of course, is the Universe of Energy was one of the opening day attractions that was there at uh, Epcot Center. And it was a really interesting look into the history of energy and so forth. And it lasted for about, uh, I think it was about 15 years. And then they switched over and added Ellen, who at the time was growing in popularity and uh, had a a likability factor. So they added her in and created a pre-show around her where she was talking about energy. And then she goes and she meets the dinosaurs. And and then she's in in the main part of the attraction. Now, this attraction... While it uses some very clever technology, now she has been a part of this attraction for almost 20 years. And when we look at what it is, it's a very slow-moving ride. There's nothing really compelling and interesting about it. It's kind of stale in the way that they do it. And the worst part about it is it lasts over 40 minutes. So again, back to rides and attractions that are too long and Disney wants to cut them. That's a prime example. So there is and have been plans filed to make changes to the show building, which would indicate that there's going to be something different going in there. Now, what it is and what's going to happen is anybody's guess at this point, but clearly there's going to be a change made to Ellen's energy adventure or what was the universe of energy. So we'll see what that what comes of that, but it fits along in that same thematic thing where you want to make changes to attractions, even though it may be somewhat beloved or remembered well, you want to make changes to it and make it kind of interesting and compelling and relevant. Plus, in that corner of the park, you've got Mission Space right there, and you've got the test track next to that. And then as you go around toward the corner, as you go back toward uh, Interventions, you've got the Wonders of Life that's offline, and and then you've got the uh, Universe of Energy or the Ellen's Energy Adventure. So time to make a change to it potentially and really make it compelling so people go to that part of the park. Now, as I've told you before, there were permits filed to create a gondola ride system that goes between Epcot Studios and over into the couple of resorts that are in the area around there, like the Caribbean Beach, Port Orleans, and uh, Coronado Springs in that area. So that was part of the plan. And now they've actually started to do some construction work. You can see some construction vehicles out that way along the proposed track. You can see that there's some pilings going in. Uh, something is starting to get built. Now what this will actually be and what will it turn out to be? I don't really know. I'm not 100% sure what's going to wind up there, but it certainly looks like it's an intriguing idea. Looks like uh, there's going to be something interesting and they're going to upgrade their the way that they manage uh, transportation between different areas. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what they do there because I think it's kind of a cool idea. 
There was a story a couple of weeks ago about Walt Disney World in Florida appears poised to launch the highest profile commercial deployment of driverless passenger vehicles to date, testing a fleet of driverless shuttles that could cart passengers through parking lots and around its theme parks. According to sources with direct knowledge of Disney's plan, Walt Disney Company is in late stage negotiations with at least two manufacturers of autonomous shuttles, Local Motors, based in Phoenix, and Navia, based in Paris. It's unclear whether contracts would go to both or just one of the companies. The sources, who asked not to be identified to avoid offending Disney, said the company plans a pilot program this year to transport employees in the electric drive robot vehicles. If that goes well, they said, the shuttles would begin transporting park visitors sometime next year. Disney did not return emails and phone calls seeking comment. Navia and Local Motors declined to discuss Disney. The barrage of media coverage on driverless cars over the last year or so has primed the public for their appearance on public roads, although vehicle manufacturers say individuals won't be able to buy driverless cars for several years. Vehicles are being gradually introduced to the public in limited areas. Autonomous shuttles are bound to be the first exposure most people have to driverless technology. Interestingly, there were a few people who uh, came to the conclusion that this fits in with the thematic part of having different types of transportation at Disney World that really does set a different standard, much like the monorails did for a long time and now the gondola system, these driverless cars could make Disney World cool again in a way. Uh, That was according to columnist John Frost, who wrote on the Disney blog in 2013. And that, uh, that piece is from the Lacrosse Tribune. Now, I did hear another story about the potential to build a Haunted Mansion themed restaurant somewhere in uh, Liberty Square. Now, where that would go exactly is kind of anybody's guess at this point. There was a, some talk about some rumors and speculation thinking that potentially the location would actually be over where the Columbia Harbor House is now. That'd be kind of sad if they took it away, but if you think about thematically, it's right in front of the walkway where you head to the Haunted Mansion, and they did me- build Memento Mori's Gifts at the old Yankee Trader candle shop right there across from it. So it's a, I, I'd say it, it ranks as a possibility. We'll see where they what they do, but I'm kind of kind of curious if that works out or doesn't work out. On another note, I heard in the network's fall TV schedule, the wonderful world of Disney will be creating a Little Mermaid live two-hour special event. Now, I'm sorry, a what? A live two-hour special event with the Little Mermaid? That's a kind of a strange one. I mean, I understand, you know, if they made it into a movie and could do some special effects, but a live version just seems kind of strange to me because a lot of the stuff happens under the sea. But I imagine they could do some clever and creative things with creating, like, uh, backdrops and so forth so you look like you're under the sea and you could do some interesting things. And now, on to a couple of odd pieces of news that I caught. The first one is about the Contemporary Resort being evacuated for a short time about two weeks ago. A fire alarm had gone off in the building and they evacuated the entire building from bottom to top. And there was a, the fire alarm turned out to be a false alarm when the fire department came out and they uh, checked the building out and they re- returned everyone to the, uh, the building. There were no other comments or anything from Disney. It was just an interesting little thing that was unusual. That's never happened where they've had to evacuate an entire hotel on Disney property before. There was another story that uh, happened a while ago with a man who uh, was, got a lifetime ban from Disney. And uh, it was kind of a weird story. And this actually happened, I think, a little over a year ago. His wife actually calls him Grumpy. So he was, he was there with his family at the Pop Century Resort. And uh, he was uh, only booked a two-night stay and was hoping he could extend the family's visit. He had trouble finding a cast member that could do it. Then they had trouble doing it, and it took too long, and he was getting annoyed with it. And he actually said to the cast member, I could build a meth lab in the room in the time it would take me to get some service. You can imagine the joke really didn't resonate. He accepted responsibility for saying what he said. And he, what he said later was, I don't know why I said meth lab. I should have said I was going to build an atomic bomb or something else. I didn't think anyone would take me seriously. 
But unfortunately, they did. They called sheriff's deputies. The way it was handled was probably not the best. The sheriff's deputies went to his room in the middle of the night and uh, raided his room looking for a meth lab. Kind of strange, right? So when they found nothing, they they did not take him into custody, but they evicted him from the resort and they gave him the uh, trespass warning, the lifetime ban. He said it was a figure of speech. I wish I could take it back. But unfortunately, he can't. It's uh, really kind of gotten, you know, gotten him upset. It, he said it didn't take away his love for Disney a lot. I won't let them take that away. Now, I do know that trespass warnings are technically for life, but after some period of time, you can actually petition to be reinstated and be allowed to come back to the parks. It's, it's a complicated process, uh, as I understand it. I, I don't know anyone personally who's ever gotten the trespass warning, but I have known of people who have gotten them. And they will sometimes review your case if you petition them correctly and you're sorry for what you did and you're, you're pleasant enough. They'll, uh, they'll, they'll come back around and talk to you about it again. But he did get the lifetime ban, and that's unfortunate that uh, that happened to him. Now, more recently, there was a story about a lady who was bringing her daughter into the, uh, the Walt Disney World Resort. And I'm not sure which of the parks she went to specifically. I think it was to several different parks. And the story goes that she was finding high-end strollers putting her daughter in them, and then just wheeling them out of the park. So basically, she was stealing strollers. And she would put them on eBay and sell them. So she was actually stealing something and selling it for a profit. You know, what motivates people sometimes is kind of beyond me. So the story went on for a while that apparently some some strollers were reported as stolen. Now, it does happen at times people take the wrong stroller, and it's typically an innocent mistake. I do imagine that sometimes people do it somewhat intentionally, but for the most part... A stroller's there. It may get moved. You may not be able to find it for some period of time, but you'll usually find it. Once in a great while, someone will take it by mistake. Uh, In this case, this lady was intentionally taking the strollers and reselling them. So it was kind of an odd story. And she finally got caught uh, because she was caught on video actually taking a stroller that someone recognized as theirs. And uh, they found it online. It was a very unique stroller. It wasn't, you know, it was a a different type of stroller that you don't typically see for sale. So the woman who had it stolen contacted the police, the sheriff's deputy, took the information down. And when it went up for sale, the sheriff's deputies were able to contact her and say, hey, where did you get this? Can we see, can we see your receipt for it? Blah, blah, blah. And they were able to match the, able to match the video of her taking it out of the park. So she was arrested for that. What a strange kind of odd story. You don't hear about that kind of story every day. It's kind of a weird thing. She was stealing strollers from Disney and selling them. That's, that's just strange. And that's, that's why I call that odd news, because it's a little different that way. And there was one other piece of odd news that I caught. There was a man who was, uh, had come to the Walt Disney World Resort. They, I guess they had come and they were seeing a family member who was performing at the Wide World of Sports in some sporting event. It might have been a cheerleading competition or something. I'm not sure exactly what. But anyway, uh, his wife had gone off to deal with something else. So he had his younger child with him and the younger child was left out in the sun too long and had gotten extremely sunburned. So the man was drinking too much and going through the hotel and being belligerent with people. Now, typically that would go somewhat unnoticed, but over time he kept coming back through the lobby of the hotel and giving people a hard time and being belligerent. So finally the sheriff's deputies were called. And they found the man intoxicated, which, you know, that those kinds of things happen. And it's unfortunate that people get intoxicated like that to the point of being ridiculous. But he was, um, when they looked down at the child and saw how badly sunburned the child was, they uh, actually arrested the man for uh, child neglect. It was, uh, you know, another one of those odd stories that, you know, you don't hear about very often, especially at Disney. 
And the man, you know, proclaims his innocence, and the wife says, yeah, that was just a big misunderstanding, yada, yada, yada. But the child had severe sunburns, so, you know, I'll, I'll side with the authorities on this one, because the child had a severe sunburn. And yes, I know, it happens to all of us that sometimes we don't consider the Florida sun and just how intense it is, but at some point, you've got to be looking out for the well-being of your child. So, you know, there's that. So anyway, just an interesting little twist of uh, twist story there. I guess uh, he's, you know, he's got a court date and he's got to deal with some things. But it may turn out that he's exonerated to some degree or, you know, gets a lesser charge for, you know, having having done what he did. But we'll see. So there you go. That's my news stories and all the things that are happening around the Walt Disney World Resort these days. Just a lot of funny and interesting and quirky things and changes to attractions and slowdowns and uh, things that are happening. And it's just kind of kind of interesting in its own way. Well, that's my show, and I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View Podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes... I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there, please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company. 